welcome to Movie Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And this week we grab our monkey and plunge deep into a dark jungle on the hunt for the most powerful mutant in the world who is raising the dead in a small American town. But before we get into something new, it's time for something old as we check in on our last feature in Box Office Report. Last episode, we released the video game tie-in film Super Hot, based on the hit video game of the same name uh, and starring... Ooh, who Brie, did it Brie star- Larson and Alison Brie. Brie Larson, Alison Brie in Ken a... Ken Watanabe, yeah, a whole bunch of... It was films. a Chinese martial arts-inspired action flick. How did that go? We released a really bad film. Ooh, just that's just or it's like borderline unwatchable that's, that's not what i like poor hearing. editing what? the story didn't make a lot of sense the action sequences felt cheesy it felt like a little bit of a horrible pastiche of um hong kong films yep. uh how did this happen it did incredibly well at the box office oh great <laughs> just that brie larson <laughs> yep. she is a star yeah um she was charismatic she yep. was personable Great. she put her heart and soul into that film yep. and just carried this really? wet pile of garbage <laughs> i don't know if you've watched a lot of these film tie-ins that the max Payne's, oh, yeah. the hitman the doom, the doom yeah. they're all they're really terrible. horrible and ill-conceived uh, yeah doom like was carried a little bit by Dwayne the rock johnson but yep. uh, max Payne a little bit by mark Wahlberg. yep timothy oliphant couldn't do anything to get <laughs> hitman off the ground but for some reason like brie larson is is just phenomenal yep. and uh she's worth watching in anything that she's in um really brought a spark of life to this wet pile of garbage wow. of a film so again it's a horrible film but yeah. everyone went to watch brie and she was fantastic i like your honesty there it's not often you hear producers ragging on their own films I, look really I, the bottom line is the bottom line <laughs> and, uh, uh, that brought in a lot of a lot of cash and so i don't i don't, yeah, okay. I don't care that, that it, that's what i like um, hearing you know that the rotten tomatoes score was yeah. horrible uh <laughs> but uh but yeah all right well let's hope we can strike box office mud this week as well uh all right on to the first trailer for this week's episode which is dora and the lost city of gold directed by james bobbin and starring isabella mona and eugenio derbez you know the jungle. It's a part of you. But exploring is not a game. Uh, and you don't look before you leap. No! I'm okay, Boots. We're on to something big, Dora. An ancient city made of gold. Parapata. And your mother and I are going to prove it. And me. I'm sorry, sweetie. You're not going. What? Being in the city around kids your own age, like Diego, might help. So you're gonna get invited to some of these parties called raves. The music sounds like this. Go get it! Be careful. That's what we want to say. If you are thinking, hey, is this Dora of Dora the Explorer fame? Then you are 100% correct. Correct, yeah. Uh, This is uh, a Nickelodeon Films tie-in. Yep. Um, It's weird in that it's kind of aimed more at like the, what, the... 12 to 16 year old age group yeah I, rather I, than dora which i think is more like the preschool five to <laughs> yeah. eight or something along those lines yeah uh this feels like the it's the film for the kids i guess that grew up on dora probably They're probably yeah. at that age now where they can sort of see something like this and say oh i remember the days we used to watch dora the explorer <laughs> the time period of the time gap in which you can sort of uh, look back fondly on something in the past is getting shorter and shorter <laughs> now those 10 year olds are thinking back to their days of 
five years ago when they're watching to think Dora of something the else though that pushes the the age range that far in advance like you like i, I mentioned nancy drew when we were watching yeah. the trailer but yep. again those nancy drew books are sort of for the same sort of age of the, the yeah. people who are watching the nancy drew films teenage mutant ninja turtles again same, thing. Uh, same they, sort of age they group, do it in reverse though there was the james bond jr spin-off animated series that's true was... but that sort of went from feature to tv yeah so like but but like, like age group it went from like that's true adults to teens or kids i guess for some reason um I mean, we haven't really discussed it but the plot of this film if it can be called as much is that yeah. michael pena and uh who's the eva longoria eva longoria from yeah. desperate housewives is uh, uh this dora's parents and they they themselves seem to be explorers who are looking for um they don't call it el dorado but that's what i know as the lost city of gold yeah um and they go off on a, a jungle excursion and they're like sorry dora you can't come on with us this time you have to go to School? said American high school yeah. and it felt a bit weird because I kind of thought hey are we going to do a mean girls thing where it's yeah. uh, Dora trying to fit into the high school and she's a bit out out of place yep. and it's like oh no like literally within about 10 seconds they're kidnapped by people <laughs> who are also trying to find the lost city of gold taken back to the jungle yep. and she uses her machete wielding skills yep. and survival flares and yep. mountain pitons to yep. uh, to her and her unlucky group of friends who are also kidnapped with her have to go and search for their parents yeah yeah, uh, there was a weird um, bit, I don't know if you noticed it, um, when she turns up at school and there's like security guards there. It looked like an airport scene. Um, and I guess this is a thing that happens in American, in, in American schools, schools yeah. these there's days. Metal but, detectors as they yeah. come through the, the but, doors. But Dora's bag is full of weapons. Uh, she has a, like a, a, flare. A, a, skate, like a distress flare. And it's just like, you would have been arrested. You would have been so arrested <laughs> and probably like just you would not have got like it would not be this sort of cavalier fun oh look what dora bought to school today kind of thing it'd be like no you're in jail um it's the just- other really weird thing in this as well as obviously it's trying to be uh set in the real world yeah but her little offsider boots the monkey yeah is like a weird <laughs> blend between the very cartoonish looking blue monkey from the thing and yep. what's supposed to look like maybe like a capuchin yeah. uh, monkey and they, they've kind of morphed them together into yeah. a thing that looks equally as weird I'm yeah. like go one way or yeah. go the other I can't see why what's, you've what's, chosen this middle ground where it's still very cartoonish in the real world uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the tr- is there a trend at the moment for taking blue animated objects and turning them into a real life they've done it with the genie they've done it with the genie and yeah. now with boots the monkey and Dora the Explorer <laughs> Smurfs. Anything, anything blue needs to be That's computer right, yeah, animated. Exactly. So. Uh, anyway, that film will be out later this year. Second trailer for this week's episode is X-Men Dark Phoenix, directed by Simon Kinberg and starring James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, and every other bloody actor that's ever been in these films. Why did you make me do that? Look at me. Focus on my voice. I'm not giving up on you, Jean. She was my friend. You're my family, Jean. Stop. No matter what. Stop. Stop. Stop! Look. You're special, Jean. And if you stop fighting that force inside you, if you embrace it, he will possess the very power of a god. Ah! 
Now you've currently got the Wikipedia um, uh, article open. Can we just run through like, you some? Mean, of... You mean like the hacked line to the Academy? <laughs> yes. Uh, can we just go through some of the films that? What was his Kinberg? What so Simon, his... Simon Kinberg is possibly someone you've never heard of before, uh, because believe it or not, X Men Dark Phoenix is his directorial debut. Having said that, he has, has been screenwriting for years. I'm been, surprised we haven't worked with him. He's worked on some of the biggest budget oh, Hollywood yeah. films. Triple of- X, State of the Union, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, all the like recent X-Men films, including X-Men The Last Stand, that horrible third film in the franchise. Um Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Uh, he's also done stuff with Star Wars and also Deadpool and also Deadpool 2. And I have seen almost all of these films. Yeah, I like know. In a way where like it's a sort of Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, I'm like, I watched that. I watched that in <laughs> cinemas. It's a really kind of like... It, Oh man, he- uh, underappreciated, not underappreciated, but like underwhelming is probably yeah. the word I'm looking for. Uh, action film, yeah. but it had a decent premise. It yeah. had a decent story. The CG was all right, but it was never going to be great. Yeah, and that is like the storied career. Can the, of, can of, the same? He also wrote Jumper. Can the same be said for that? Yeah, it was <laughs> underwhelming. Sort Sherlock of like Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. These again, these are all films that are just like. They're so mediocre, yeah. but they earn so much so money. Much money yeah. And he's apparently the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood. Yep. He's number 61 on the list of the most powerful people in yep. Hollywood that you've never heard of. Yep. Um, he's he's where we want to be. He's yeah. the shining beacon, exactly. beginning star we of what <laughs> movie film Hollywood's aspi- uh, movie film uh, studios aspires to. <laughs> Did you forget our name for a minute there? I, I think I want to change it to movie film Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Dark Phoenix is, if you've been uh, clued into the sort of recent run of X-Men films, um, is about the character... Sansa Stark is unhappy <laughs> and she's <laughs> taking right. her vengeance on all those who have wronged her. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Dark Phoenix is the alter ego of um, Phoenix? Is that her what name? is her name? Jean Grey. Jean Grey is her character's name, played by... Uh, Frankie Jensen. Frank A. Jensen in the original series. And Sophie um, Turner this time around. That's right, yes. Uh, and basically, she's going... She gets inhabited by some other force. and Maybe. They're in space, berserk. and there's a great big yeah. space fire, and she absorbs it all, yeah. and it makes her evil. Yeah. Um, it looked like that's pretty much all you need to know. It looks very much like all the other X-Men films. Yep. I suppose I can, like it's one of those things that can be said is that stylistically, they all have the same it's sort consistent. of feel. Yeah. Um, whereas I think uh, the Marvel films do jump around a lot. They are dealing with... Um, a lot of different subject matter each time. So obviously, yeah. first Captain America's World War Two ish. Um, Black Panther's got that sort of very tribal uh, feel to it. But like all of the X Men, kind of feel like there's the same technology, they're the same characters, they're wearing the same suits, uh, and all the enemies have the same guns, and mm. they get all destroyed because they have superpowers. Can I just also say, so this this film is meant to because the previous X Men film and the one before it erased the timeline where X-Men 3 happened, which was the um, crazy one where Alcatraz is involved and... You know, that it was... Magneto, up, like, rips open the, the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate bridge. bridge, and it actually had, like, a bit of... Like, a big plot surrounding Dark Phoenix as well. Yeah. Simon Kingbird wrote that film. He, oh, right. He wrote that film, and now he's directing... Did he also do Apocalypse? Uh, which which uh, other X-Men film did he do? Did he also unwrite all of the stuff that he wrote for the other films? So he wrote... He wrote um, he's pretty much written Days of Future Past, 
Act. Uh, he wrote Apocalypse as well. There you go. So, so, yeah. so they're the two films that undo the thing that he yeah, did in X-Men exactly. 3. And now he's directing this film, Dark Phoenix, which is basically, in the comics, the same story as the one in Last Stand, if that makes any sense. So I just Double like, dipping. He's double how? dipping with uh, the, the Hollywood studios. He's like, you already paid me $16 million yeah. for this 15 years ago. I know. Well, here's the, the, the <laughs> new bill again. plus inflation. <laughs> We're going to... Here's ride number two. Or is it just like one of those dreams of writers who always say that like directors ruin their films and like producers interfere and rewrite everything? It's just like the ultimate revenge. It's just like, that's it. You I know worked what? for 15 years. <laughs> I had to write Sherlock Holmes. I had to write Jumper. Yeah. I had to write Triple X State of the <laughs> Union. And now I get my chance to undo the wrong that was done to me with X3. Exactly. Anyway, go and see that film whenever the hell it comes out. Final film for this week's episode is The Dead Don't Die, directed by Jim Jarmusch and starring Bill Murray, Adam Driver and Tilda Swinton. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. You look gorgeous. Oh my. Are you in this together? You'd probably be forgiven for thinking that it was closer to October 31st this week with the number of oh, horror man. trailers that came out. It was a horror. Uh, they don't die. Another Annabelle film in the Conjuring universe. Yep, there uh, was uh, scary stories uh, to tell in the dark yeah. sort of based on the children's uh, book series of the same name or a similar name. If uh, we hadn't done like a horror movie special, like. I know. A couple of months ago, there's enough uh, like uh, could have done another material one. to do it again this week. Yep. Uh, so The Dead Don't Die is a film that, by the basis of the trailer, doesn't really have much of a story. But basically, uh, zombies invade a small American town. Uh, they seem to carry traits of their previous life, so they seem to want to do... Uh, the stuff that they sort of did in their living state, um, except they're dead and... Also want to eat brains. And yeah. also want to eat brains. Um, Bill Murray, uh, Adam Driver... They're, and, they're an unlikely cop duo, and they're like yeah, a, I assume oh, one's a sheriff, one's a There's also Chloe Seven, Sevi, Seveny, uh, who's also part of that cop. I'm trying to think where I recognise her from. Was she in Lizzie, like the Lizzie Borden story? Yeah. With her, so that's, that with is her, the, all right. With the, Twilight. Oh, what is her Girl. name? Oh, who cares? Um, <laughs> Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. That's uh, the one. So, yeah, there we go. I knew I recognized her face from somewhere. Yeah. Um, she also plays another police deputy. They're very quick in this film to jump to the idea that it is zombies. It's yeah. like, oh, it's nice to actually know that people in the world know that zombies exist. Yeah. But there's a kind of... So the, char- the sort of main characters in this film, uh, which I guess are Bill, Chloe, and uh, Adam... Uh, have a very kind of blasé attitude to the oh, whole the thing. ABC. Yeah. It's indeed. a conspiracy. Who Probably. was the other one? Tilda Swinton. Til- oh, no, <laughs> never, never mind. Um, yeah, so it's it's just, it's really kind of, it seems a, a little bit screwball-y, a little bit sort of indie slacker. Um, there's a huge, like, cast list of um, cameos and, and uh, you know, 
sort of you know yeah. actors in in just a crazy amount of makeup just covering up who they are. Danny Glover's in it like yeah. for some reason. Bit Steve of a, like Buscemi. an off type soundtrack, which is a bit rocky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel as though this film is probably about 10 to 15 years too late. A little bit, We yeah. had Shaun of the Dead. We had yep. Zombieland. Yep. There were a whole bunch of sort of like kind of tongue-in-cheek screwball um, zombie films a, ho- a while ago. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like we need one now. No. Um, to be fair, it looks interesting. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, so, like the characters are very uh, idiosyncratic and Adam Driver yeah. looks like he's playing this sort of very sort of socially awkward kind of um, uh, young police person who's in a situation which is a bit you know other people be freaking out but he's also very deadpan about it yeah yeah bill murray is doing his classic sort of classic uh, well yeah. it's classic old bill murray yeah it's which true. is much more restrained and much more uh i guess um he sort of just drops in there with just the like calm yeah. yep calm demeanor but also just a little bit witty which is nice i like seeing bill murray back uh, jim jarmusch is probably he's done a lot of films that if you're a bit of a film snob you've probably yep. heard of but you've never bothered watching absolutely heard of um, but yeah. they're, they're all sort of very art house um, yeah, indie yeah. Um, so this seems to be something that has perhaps a little bit more mainstream appeal uh, yeah a sort of zombie comedy film but uh, who knows like it's really hard to tell from this trailer it just looks like nothing happens um, cool. but hey maybe you're into that maybe you want that all right, so those are the three films for this week's episode. But of course, before we can do anything with those, we're going to have to take a little walk over to the green room. And here we are. Let's have a quick recap of this week's trailers. We, we have a teen uh, live-action reboot of a young kid's educational cartoon. Yeah, preschool cartoon, I guess. Yep. We uh, have a uh, continuation of a comic book franchise. Yep, a very long-running comic book franchise that has now spanned multiple timelines, but still and, within the same timeline. Uh, and we have a screwball zombie, zombie comedy. comedy film. Yes. Uh, I chose last week, and we produced the pile of crap that was super hot. Pile of crap, also pile of cash. Exactly. There's, there's not a lot of difference between those two words. There is not. So it's up to you this week to bring the gold. That's a tough one. That is, I actually wasn't expecting to choose this week. I haven't pre-thought about anything. <laughs> All right. Okay. Only because when we watched the trailer, you said this feels feels like a very movie film studios thing to do. Yep. Which is taking an existing <laughs> kids' educational program yep. and turning it into something else, <laughs> something for an older audience. Yeah. And I think I have the thing that I want to do. Yep. And I think I know how dark and gritty I want to take it. Great. So we're doing we're doing Dora, in case you couldn't pick that up. Dora the Explorer or Dora's Eldorado, whatever the City Dora of Gold. Dora and the Lost City of Gold is the film we're chosen. I want to do... What are you doing? What do you want? Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues! But as like a dark, gritty film Ooh, noir. Yeah, yeah, like a mystery... An actual a, proper... Yeah, yeah, okay. I like it. I, I really like it. And we need... Uh, you know what's good about this? It continues the trend of bringing blue animated uh, characters... Exactly. ...into a real-life context. And we're going to do it in like real bad CGI right the dog is cgi dog yep in, blue? in a live action yep. scenario i think blue's mostly white isn't he the the dog from the- i always thought blue's clue i thought the character was blue like it's that's why he's named blue possibly I, mean, I human- thought i thought he was white with blue spots maybe what was the human's name doug or dan or ben or dave or something <laughs> generically white doesn't man. matter i mean we can just re- no I, I like think- so like okay so blue the character 
is completely blue with dark blue spots. Right. Like it, it, it's not a dog that could really exist. Um, kind of looks like a beagle, I guess. Yeah. Um, would probably be the closest uh, sure. real life analog that I can think I of. I think when we blend him, we, his cartoon version with a real life version, the yep. the remaining monstrosity, <laughs> may, you wouldn't be able to pin so down an exact is, species. This is kind of almost a spiritual sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which kind of has a, a, a similar kind of thing. But we're going like full hardcore, gritty, uh, violent, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it feels a little bit like the Pokemon Detective film that's coming out as well. Yeah, but see, that still skews towards teenagers and young kids, um, which is, I guess, the kind of angle or the kind of audience that the Pokemon yeah. game series is kind of going for anyway. Um, Blue's Clues, we're going from like three to four-year-olds to like 43-year-olds. It's true. <laughs> um, Steve, apparently, is that guy's name who right. was the, the presenter. So the yep. Steve is going to be our Humphrey Bogart-style yep. you know, You know what I think uh, we should detective. also do? We should do... Um, you know, the thing that's popular at the moment is crossovers, so into, into different universes. Uh, and I think we need to bring in another blue thing, and I think we do Bear in the Big Blue House. I'm not aware of this one. Okay, so it's a giant... I think it's a Jim Henson thing. It's a giant... Oh, like, actually, no. I, I think I actually now... And he's, yeah. he's got the the one arm that works and the Pretty other much, arm doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel as though, like, uh, obviously, Blue's Clues is a Nickelodeon um, yep. uh, intellectual property. Can we cross that over with... Um, Jim Henson, or or do we just have to keep like? No, we'll get we'll get. So you know how Jim Henson's like the Jim Henson stuff now. Uh, so the Muppets are owned by Disney, but Jim Henson's like puppet studio, Jim Henson's Creature Shop, is an independent company. Oh, okay. So we can just hire them. Um, and I mean, we also have our own uh, <laughs> workshop that could do this it's kind of true. stuff as well. There's, so there's a whole bunch of be like Nickelodeon property that I reckon can show up in here like i feel as though some older rugrats characters oh, yeah. can be involved yep. as well yep. like imagine like chucky i feel like so actually ch- grown up because they did that spin-off series called uh, all grown up which oh, was really the rugrats in like middle school okay yeah and it was weird i feel like, as though like they- <laughs> chucky like when he's older has like bright red dreadlocks yep um <laughs> and like I, I feel as though that this could be very weird I, don't, I actually don't know that many other Nickelodeon <laughs> characters well enough. Ren and Stimpy apparently yeah, could the, be in there. Hey Arnold. Hey, I think we're, we're getting a bit too far off track. Cat dog. Cat dog is in there as well. I think these are all just sort of like background Easter egg, yeah, yeah. Um, sort yeah. of things. And if you're kind of watching, hey, that's a guy with bright um, red dreadlocks and giant purple Coke bottle yeah. glasses. Could that be? You know, Chucky. <laughs> uh, here's the thing that we I haven't talked about a, uh, for a long time on this podcast, but I'm bringing up Super Mario Brothers the movie again. Um, there was a time when Super <laughs> Mario Brothers the movie came up every week. But this is the model I think we should follow, which is a sentence that no Hollywood movie producer has ever spoken before. Uh, but. The like that film had sort of very little relation to the original source material, yeah. Um, but it just had these like little nods to it, and yeah, sort of scattered throughout. So I think we do that for Blue's Clues, yeah. And I think we just keep it as like we just keep it as Blue's Clues, and we chuck in references to as many other Nickelodeon properties as we, yeah, like, like re- the, the you know the prostitute on the side of the street yeah, exactly. might have been was it Angela Angela. <laughs> 
think of like heroin track marks. No, but now you're making me think of like Angela Anaconda, which oh, was another oh, Nickelodeon yeah. show. All of these, all of these characters, all of the auxiliary <laughs> characters, we just go, hey, what would this character be like if it was all grown up? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we, we'll do that, and we'll just. I mean, I don't know how we're going to get the rights to all of these, but that's a problem for the like, lawyers. Really, we we sign a deal for Blue's Clues. Nickelodeon's yep. on board, yep. and then suddenly, I, like I think that's a, a standard Nickelodeon contract. Is yeah. if, you, if you get one, you get them all. Yeah, them all. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's t- <laughs> that's Disney's approach, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So let's figure out the story for this. So Blue's Clues, I believe, because I like honestly, this this TV show came out at a time where I was not young enough to no, actually I, like, I'm pretty be much the target audience. It, so. uh, but I believe it was sort of like a a, um, a hide-and-seek kind of yeah. uh, TV show where things would happen on screen and the like human character... Was it Steve, you said? Steve, yeah. Uh, would sort of ask questions to the viewer and say, like, where is this particular... What's that, Blue? Where's Have you blue? found a clue, Blue? Yeah. Can you, the audience, see where the clue is? Yeah. Is it very prominently on the couch over here and yet I'm going to spend several seconds looking around the room. Yeah. Is it behind the curtain? Is it underneath the mat? Oh, look, it's here on the chair like yeah. it was all along. Exactly. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, the detective angle kind of goes, well, what's the case? Like, what will, yeah. is it going to be... I think it's it's not good enough for it to just be the theft of an object. It also needs to tie in murder. Oh, it has um, to be a murder, definitely. Yeah, definitely a murder. I think... There's a whole bunch of really interesting film noir tropes that we definitely go down. Yep. But I think they're maybe... I always like the one where they get brought into a case to investigate, like, an object being stolen. Yep. And then, whilst investigating it, someone shows up dead. Yep. And then that yeah. person's trying to pin the murder on the detective that they hired yep. to, to investigate see, the, the what clues. I, what I think it needs to be... This is this is how I see it going. Um, Blue the dog. Yes. Um, and look, well, I'll spoil the film for you right now, but Blue the dog is actually the main antagonist. And what? the person who is investigating the case no. is Steve. So Steve Blue's, has like... Blue's got to be the, 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 the film noir detective's offsider. Yeah, but no, he is. He is at the start. But he really... can't be sentient. This is this is what really annoyed me about Dora, <laughs> is the monkey is still sentient and doing sentient monkey things. Yep. I think Blue in this one is as intelligent as a trained dog, as a trained oh, okay. police so it's dog. A, so it's just a police dog. He's just a police dog. Right. And it's a grizzly. Like, he is still blue, blue with darker blue spots, <laughs> and he's still made of CG. Um, yeah. But he's more sort of like Direwolf from Game of Thrones level of intelligence okay. yep. than... Um, cat dog level <laughs> I'm trying to think of a intellectual property that gives Beverly Hills Chihuahua level of intelligence Turner and Hooch maybe yes there we go we're doing we're doing Turner and Hooch but as a um, like as a gritty or what was the one with um, K9 oh, K- with a K9 like, one with a Will Arnett I think no 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 not it? with Will Arnett with um, like Jim Belushi oh, or, or oh, James man. Belushi yeah, yeah. one of those ones from yep, back in the 90s cool. I'm not sure I think we oh, maybe we could do it maybe it's not dark film art maybe it's it's like 90s buddy dog film <laughs> with like you know those boxy style black and white police cars and like a wisecracking offsider yeah no I think it needs to I think needs it to be needs gritty, to go gritty. I, I, I mean I can just see him like a fedora and a trench coat in yeah. the middle of like a New York City while it's raining and yeah. the rain's dripping off yeah. and then you know Blue sees the bad guy uh, you know what's really popular right now it's doing the same thing that Shiddler's List did which was like uh, black and white but with like oh, the only colour is red so they did it for like the most recent Avengers trailer where um, it was like 
all grayscale monotone, but only the red things showed up in color. We do it for our film, but it's all blue things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so shit, uh, uh, obviously, Schindler says she said uh, Sin City was the other one that yes. had little elements of yeah. red and stuff. Like so we that go, we go for like a nice uh, black and white. Uh, super heavy noir look for the film uh, but the only colour that's allowed in there is <laughs> blue, blue. And, and just by coincidence uh, all of the main clues are blue blue yeah yeah. and so like you like as the audience you really prominently see them <laughs> just in the room and yeah. it still takes Steve like investigating the room very slowly to find it but like we can see it it's the bright blue you know ashtray that's sitting on the desk and it's like well to him everything's black and white he yeah. doesn't get to see his special blue so you know what's good about this it's like you know luminol which is that substance yeah. that they spray so to find blood and- find blood and stuff so that he won't be able to see all like regular blood because it's not blue no um, but when they spray the luminol in there it goes completely blue so we'll all see it and yeah. he's just like hmm what's what's happened here <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. Uh, what I think there needs to be a really big crime, though, and I think we need to figure out what that is. I'm trying to think of the best like noir films that I know. So, uh, Chinatown, L.A. Confidential, yeah, Maltese Falcon. Ma- yeah, I mean, I haven't actually have seen the Maltese Falcon. I haven't seen the Big Sleep. Is the other yep. sort of big one? But yep. Chinatown is about sort of like water, yep. like and people stealing water. L.A. Confidential is yep. about. I think they use plastic surgery to change prostitutes to look like Hollywood stars oh, and then man. end up killing them off, possibly. This uh, is very dark. But seven? Uh, look, I haven't seen Seven, so don't spoil too much of it too for me, but that involves some kind of like... Head in a box, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's in the box? Yeah. What's in the box? That's what's in the box. And I think that the whole, like, that the whole box thing as well needs to sort of play into this. So what if uh, the crime is that uh, prominent... Uh, members okay prominent members of the new york underground mafia are we going new york i well yeah no that's fine i'm i i was thinking new york it feels very new york it feels new york but it'd also be interesting if we just set it in like indianapolis and and just just made it feel like a dark dingy new york but they just constantly (laughs) referring to the fact that they're not actually in new york yeah yeah yeah. so okay cool uh all right so we'll set in indianapolis uh, and I think that like prominent members of the Indianapolis underground like mafia and criminal yes, gangs that well are known. turning up like in pieces, Ooh. dead, obviously. Uh, so interesting. Uh, are they mauled by an animal or are they just being killed? Well, because this, is, this the thing. is where the blue sort of thing could come into it. Yep. I think they're. Pro- I don't know. Well, I don't know. This is the thing. So maybe it's a case of like maybe they turn up in di- like in different ways. So some of them have been surgically uh, like cut up. But other ones look like they've been mauled. Mauled, okay, yep, sure. So it kind of suggests, and I like the thing. I kind of like how maybe there's a long-running antagonist to the Blues team. Yeah. So like this is their kind of white whale. They've been chasing this uh, criminal mastermind <laughs> for like their entire career. Um, but then it turns out at the end that it's not just a single criminal, but it's a criminal duo. And it's a dog and human dog and human duo uh, duo as well, which is why some of the uh, some are mauling and some back yeah. mauling. Um, so yeah, kind of like their their opposites, their uh, their sort of their nemesis, uh, yeah. sort of like exact analogs to them. Um, so who are they going to be? Like that's who we need to figure out now. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Are we are we stealing from Nickelodeon? I think we do need to steal from Nickelodeon. Is it? Is it? Like I mean. We can't do cat dog. <laughs> Again, we're coming back to cat dog. Um, oh, man, I would see. I would love to do cat dog because, like, that is two criminals in one body. They have two completely separate brains. Um, you know what it is? Maybe it's like a human version of cat dog. So it's a 
it's a criminal kingpin that calls himself Catdog, um, but it's actually like a person with two different minds. Okay. Uh, and because of that, they commit the crimes, but they the, the types of crimes that they commit are totally different depending on who's thinking at, at any given time. And I think they are also doing genetic research oh, on, yeah. on animals. Yep. And while our, our version of Catdog is definitely not one half cat, one half dog, <laughs> it is definitely like a hybrid of those yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and maybe, oh yeah, I, I don't want to get very Ace Ventura, but like if <laughs> if, if if Steve and Blue are like pet detectives potentially, yep. Yep. Um, then then this is why they've been brought in to investigate the world of animal crimes. Uh, okay. And so some people are being mauled, some people are being surgically cut up, yep. and then you have the evil Steve who is uh, um, <laughs> a uh, some sort of genetic um, researcher. Bolt, yeah. Yep, yep. It's, it's getting a little bit more weird yeah <laughs> a little bit less grounded in reality okay. than i no, thought no, we were we going can, to we can originally pull, we can pull back on the more fantastical elements but i think like maybe uh doppelganger steve has like a split personality thing okay and that's where that sort of cat yep. dog analog is sort of coming in there um and his like second personality is much more animalistic much more primal yeah um, without him actually Did being you, an animal you remember in Beethoven, that movie with the <laughs> yeah. Saint Bernard, yeah. that like they were doing like chemical oh, yeah, research doing, on yeah, yeah, the yeah. dogs. Yep. So maybe like that was grounded in reality. Yep. And there was definitely a bit at the end where Beethoven kicks over a <laughs> tray full of <laughs> syringes filled with bright green liquid, and they and um, they, they they bury themselves yeah, into the, and the criminals. And, yeah, don't yeah. Sure. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's fine. But like, why is this? person going after all the other criminals of uh of indianapolis i want to know like what's the justification for like wiping out everyone else are we going are we going to do maybe like a underground animal fighting ring is is the mafia they do cockfighting or um yeah okay that's a good idea so maybe they're like um this these particular it's actually got it's got very dark and gritty again no so these mafia are kingpins right they all have links to various forms of uh animal cruelty be it in just like horse racing or uh, greyhound racing or like cockfighting or whatever just like all these things that like to most people they kind of think oh that's just an innocuous thing but like anyone that actually knows like none of these animals are treated well no. enough so there's a really interesting moment then where yep. Steve and Blue confront yep. the and that the the evil Steve and evil Blue are just like we're not doing a bad thing yeah we're helping animals yeah we're, we're getting rid of the people that are yeah. hurting the animals and yeah. Stephen Blue were just like well so, yeah. I can empathise with that I can exactly. empathise with it and that's, that's the mark this is of the a psychological film. torment yeah. as well that is at the heart of every great neo-noir film or noir film rather where the protagonist who you assume is 100% holistic and good and sort of just like the person that you can, uh, can relate to as a character starts questioning what they're doing starts questioning whether or not the pursuit of this criminal mastermind that they've been chasing for years is actually the right thing to do. Yeah. And like, what happens at that point? What happens to their torment? Well, maybe clearly- maybe they've sold, maybe they're, they're working for the, the criminals have hired them to find out who's picking them yeah, off one by one. Yeah, exactly. And suddenly, it, like, am, inadvertently, am I, yeah. Am I any better? I'm actually working for the people, the bad guys. Yeah. And these bad guys have been, like, mistreating animals for years. And so, like, this is then we get the scenes of them, like, at a, like, old bar somewhere trying to drown their sorrows in a in a glass and a bowl of whiskey. Yeah. Um, you know, walking the streets of Indianapolis at night, rain-soaked. I, I definitely think Steve used to work for the Indianapolis, Indianapolis police. Oh, yeah, he was but a former he was, detective. But he was, he was on the take from the mafia. Yep. And then it was maybe, like, 
dis- not dishonorably discharged. But that's the mil- a military thing, no. but definitely there was a, 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 a anti-corruption sweep, and suddenly yeah. he was out of a job, and now he's a private detective. I, Doesn't yeah. work for the mafia directly anymore, but because they know that he used yeah. to be corrupt, they he owes them. I think what actually happened was he, like, as a detective, he and Blue were like trying to track down this criminal mastermind who they thought was like, uh, you know, doing all this crime. Yeah. The mafia found, finds out that they're actually getting close to discovering the truth, which is like the mafia's behind it. They then enact a whole bunch of bribes, a whole bunch of like backdoor shenanigans to um, frame Blue and Steve yeah. for like gross misconduct in the in the um, police force. Yeah. They get dishonorably discharged from the police force and, and then they just have to become hard-boiled, grizzled detectives after that. Yeah. Because that's what happens to every cop that yeah. gets booted off the force. They have to, like, they get a, like, dodgy apartment um, with the, like... The, that frosted glass the frosted window glass with their, private their eye on the, on the door. Vinyl yeah. across the door, uh, yeah. It has, like... <laughs> it has, like, a blues paw print as well on oh, there. Absolutely. It was, like, a nice little... Uh, just like a nice little branding thing. So the question becomes, who do we cast as Steve? Because there's Ooh. definitely a siege. I, I'm picturing uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd? Yeah. He's got that, like, he's getting a bit crinkly around the eyes. Yep. He's um, He actually quite looks looks a lot like Steve from the original film, but yep. like a, a grittier Hollywood film detective you Steve. Know, so You know, now that I, I've just sort of looked up what Steve, the original Steve, looks like, and... He's like now completely bald, uh, with a little bit of a like a stubble going on. He looks like the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> now. He used to look like Paul Rudd. That's a pretty big change. He looks like no. He actually looks like Elijah Wood with no hair. Right there you go. Uh, so like maybe we do get Elijah Wood. He was in Sin City and he's a bit scrawny. And I the last thing I watched him in was like Wilfred, where he was a bit of a stoner. Yeah. I think I think you know you're. It's got to be a bit gruff. He's got to be able to have like that salt and pepper stubble. You know what we have? Paul Rudd's too juvenile for something like this. I don't think he has the like expressive range to do something like this. But you know who does? Um, What's his face from A Star Is Born? Bradley Cooper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine Bradley Cooper down on his luck? Slight, like slightly paunchy as well. Um, you know, oh, he doesn't have to be paunchy. I just think- a little bit. I don't think he needs to be. He doesn't need to be like at his prime. That's the whole idea. I think he's very much down on his luck. Um, the the drink has just sort of put him to seed a little bit. Yeah, uh, he's, and, and he's the a, one thing that I was really counting on was that salt and pepper stubble. Yeah, and, and Bradley Cooper can do he that. He can definitely do that, and also like not turn the film into a comedy. Yeah, I still think Paul. Oh uh, yeah, you're probably right. Paul Rudd would just probably improv some quippy lines. In exactly. There, yeah. And we won't be able to get a clean take yeah, out of him. Exactly. So, like, just say the put the gun on the ground. Yeah. And he's like, put the gun on the ground. Your big pile of spaghetti. <laughs> I'm like, Paul Rudd, come on, we can't cut around that. But this raises an interesting question as to who do we cast as the villain? Ooh, can we cast Paul Rudd as the villain? Well, I was going to say, could we, yeah, could yeah. we do that? We could just cast Paul Rudd as the villain because... It's like, it's he- like, you know, given a few things differently, our roles could have been reversed. And that's just like a little homage to the fact yeah. that we actually, at yeah, one exactly. stage, yeah, was discussing right. reversing their roles. Yeah. At the bottom so. of the IMDb page for this film, there'll be a little Easter egg section, and uh, that's um, where that fact yeah. will be listed. On the DVD, uh, you know, extras. Oh, yeah, when we're doing the audio commentary. In, yeah. Instead of, you know, you know the, the weird one where you see scenes of Tom Selleck playing Indiana Jones? Yeah. It's like your weird scenes where their roles were actually reversed. That's where true. we've actually got some scenes where Paul <laughs> Rudd is playing Steve and Bradley so, Cooper. So 
this, playing the so hang on. Guy. So what you're saying is that despite the fact that we've made the decision now before we start a production, we're going to go into production and just make them shoot a you test have, scene you have to get with the roles reversed. DVD extras from somewhere. These things don't happen <laughs> organically. You've got to plan this stuff. <laughs> so we're making up DVD extras. It's like uh, the end of Toy Story 2 where they have the bloopers. Oh, and yeah, you're yeah. sort of like, you actually had to go out of your way to animate bloopers. I'm quite yeah. impressed with you, Toy yeah. Story oh, 2. So we're going to do like Blue doing stunts where the stunts go wrong as yeah. well. Like yeah. they can't it, nail it, that. The, like... the, the Jackie Chan and then for the rest of the film we CGI like <laughs> a, a cast onto Blue's like leg because yeah, he has to do we've... the rest of it injured. No, no, that, no, we'll show the like special like pre-CGI footage which despite the fact is pre-CGI, still has a full CGI blue in it, but the blue in that has a cast yeah. that we've had to digitally get digitally. rid of in post. He's, he's also got a mustache as well <laughs> that we have to CGI out to great expense. <laughs> okay. Um, do I think... I think that's. I think that works for that film. I, I think, think so. A, a I also, we, you know, there'll be a ton of other actors in the film playing like side characters, yeah. bums that like get into like you know vague witnesses and like false trails, red herrings, all that kind of stuff. And and they'll be just like in like the Jim Jarmusch zombie film, yep. just like very very well known actors playing yeah, yeah. very minor roles. Yeah. Even like the what was the um, almost re- unrecognizable the Quentin Tarantino one where the list of uh, well known yeah. actresses was a mile a long. Mile long. Once and upon a time also in Hollywood. A, like also starring yeah. list as well. Um now while we could be very tempted to call it Blue's Clues. Yeah. They didn't go with Dora the Explorer. They went Dora, Dora and, the and the City of Gold. City of Gold, yeah. Um do we do something we can't really call it Clue because yeah. uh um that's a different film and we're not remaking that one we could call it like the blue something like the blue what's a good uh, synonym for uh clues um like uh, case files like I, I think that's always like a good um yep the blue case files blues blues case files blues evidence blue, <laughs> blue evidence trace hint trace hint? traces of blue traces of blue traces i like that i like that yeah Traces, yeah, that's great because that works on a poster. It kind of ties into the like the uh, blue of the police force as well, yeah. And obviously the titular dog of the same name. It's gonna be CGI. CGI. Uh, (laughs) Traces of blue. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I think uh, I think that's a wrap. I think you're right. Housekeeping, as per usual, we are online at moviefilmstudios.net where you can find all of our previous episodes, our bios, and Mephuzawidada, the database of films that we've created on this podcast. Search Facebook and or Instagram for Movie Film Studios and join the community where we post clues as to the trailers we've watched in upcoming episodes. Uh, congratulations to whoever got those correct this yeah, week. I don't think we've actually had job. someone who's got a correct answer since our no. Oscar special. I think we need to be a little bit more specific. I've been definitely giving people clues like, hey, visit this YouTube page and just <laughs> scroll through until you see something that stands out because that's really all you need to do. People aren't really putting in the effort. I think if we had a leaderboard, Crystal would still be on top with yep. three from three from Oscar films. Probably so. Dave would be there somewhere as well. Yeah, Dave's answers are more joke answers. You know what you're doing, Dave. Yeah, you do know what you're doing. <laughs> Um, if you are suffering from a criminal lack of podcasts in your life how about you listen to movie film studios if you're not already somehow uh we are available on apple podcasts uh spotify youtube podbean uh our website of course and pretty much any other place that you get podcasts from and I think that's it. All that remains is to thank you once again for listening this week. I've been Isaac. And I've been AJ. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs>